Welcome to the Private Practice Academy podcast, where we share the formula for building and scaling a sustainable and profitable group practice without sacrificing your freedom and life in the process. I'm Kirsten Anderson-Ridge, and I'm a clinical and counselling psychologist and business mentor. And I'm passionate about helping you to create, build, and sustain a profitable private practice. I've made the leap from solo practitioner to group practice owner and created my own separate income stream. I'll share with you how to have a successful group practice and the time to create other income streams without feeling you have to choose between one or the other. I'm going to share my journey and invite other therapists to share theirs so you too can create the practice you've always desired. If you're ready to start making your practice work for you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Private Practice Academy podcast, where we'll talk about things that you've thought about doing whilst in private practice, but didn't really think was possible, or perhaps you weren't really sure how to go about it. When we have a group practice or want to start a group practice, often the misconception is, oh, you'll have to be in it 24-7. It's going to be too hard. It'll be tough. I think in life there are always tough parts, but I want to support you through those and celebrate the wins. So this will be a place for you to explore the possibilities and create a practice that works for you, which also means having the time and the space to explore other income streams while your practice ticks away in the background and creates a buffer or that security to explore those possibilities. So I thought today in our first episode that I'd tell you a little bit about me, my journey and how I got here. I'm Kirsten Anderson-Rich and I'm a clinical and counselling psychologist in Perth, Australia. I was a solo practitioner for 15 years and have been a group practice owner for five and I also have my mentoring business, the Private Practice Academy, which I've now had for three years. So I know what it's like to build a practice from the ground up and work hard in it. Back when I first started my practice, there were no such thing as mentors. There wasn't anyone to ask any of the questions that I had. Even more recently, when I chose to go from solo to a group practice owner, there really wasn't a lot of step-by-step programs or people to ask either. I had questions like, How do you create a space where you can have a clinical lead or a principal site to deal with the day-to-day running that allows for the practice owner to look at other revenue streams? It's amazing to even imagine creating that space and not feeling trapped in the day-to-day of having a practice. Since I have now created that space and have a clinical lead, that has led me to be able to fund the space to create another income stream, which is the Private Practice Academy. For me, moving into being a business coach and mentor seemed like the next step for me as I'd been in practice for 20-odd years and I wanted to use the skill at disposal. I knew that all of that study and all of that experience was going to be so useful for becoming a mentor. And traditionally, business coaches say things like, use testimonials to market yourself and be really open in your marketing process. Well, that's great advice if you're an influencer and not a psych. 
As psychologists, we have some fairly hard and fast rules that we need to adhere to. Being in the guidelines of APRA is really important to we psychologists. But if I'm honest, becoming a business coach and mentor was probably something that was in the making many, many years ago, back when I was 19, but I wasn't aware of it yet. So when I was around about 14 years old, middle of high school, and I was spending most of my days at school talking to my friends about all of their problems, and I would come home after school and talk to them more about their problems. So much so that my mother said to me one day, Kirsten, I really think that you should make a business out of this and I think you'd do really well out of it. So that did stay in my mind, but as life goes, often things don't go to plan. I finished high school and I really just wanted to work. I didn't want to go to university at that time. So I started a job in an office and I tried to work my way through the ranks and I'd set myself up to have a job interview only to get to the job interview and the boss at the time said to me Kirsten we think you look good but we're not sure you're very bright so we're not sure you're going to be able to do this job hmm yep you heard correctly that's exactly what they said and as I said, I was 19 at the time, so I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with that. But I did think to myself, hmm, what do bright people study? Well, funnily enough, what I came up with was accounting, which couldn't be more further from psychology, could it? But what was really interesting about that was, because I've studied psychology, it now means that I know how to run a business. Who would have thought out of such an interesting dynamic being told that you weren't possibly bright enough, that this would mean that in the future I'd be able to run my business. It's funny how sometimes things work out, isn't it? I definitely didn't enjoy studying accounting though, and I realised that I really wanted to study psychology. As I wanted to help and serve others, it was at about 26 that I decided to follow my passion and study psychology. So I did that, did my undergrad, did my counselling masters and at the end of my counselling masters I found myself at an agency where I had the opportunity to learn all that I could about so many different presentations. It was an amazing job. I got the opportunity to go to mind sites and not only to support clients through counselling but I also got to deliver training which I thought was amazing. It was here, though, that I started what I would call a very unsavoury habit. I was a casual, so the more I did, the more I learnt, and the more that I earned. I'm not at all proud of this, but it was there that I started to see 10 clients a day. And I could probably justify it in any way I like, but essentially it is not something I would ever recommend but I know that I did do it. Was it expected of me? Well, probably not, but I still did it because, as I said, the more that I learnt, the more that I earned, and it seemed like that's what I should do. But towards the end of my time in that agency, I know that I was starting to burn out. 
And I thought now is time for me to start my own practice. I really wanted to start to see clients that I enjoyed seeing and have a bit more freedom in my schedule. Interestingly, that's not exactly what I did. I did, however, set up my private practice. But in that first week of setting up that practice, I called a colleague of mine who I studied with at the Counselling Masters. She worked in the same area and I was just interested to find out about the area and what other psychologists were in the area and some options. I remember talking to her and she said to me that she was only seeing about four clients a day, maybe five. And she told me that she used to space out her clients and that she would have breaks in between. I didn't say anything at the time, but I remember thinking to myself, my God, why on earth would you do that? That just seems like it's wasting time. And she said to me, and how about you? What is it that you're doing? Anyway, I had to admit to her that I was seeing about nine or ten clients a day. And interestingly, I can still remember, and this was 20 years ago, I still remember what she said to me. She said, well, Kirsten, you might be able to fool yourself for a few years and you can probably do it at your age for maybe five, six years. You might be able to get away with it. She said to me, but one day you will burn out and you won't be able to do it. And unfortunately, she was correct, but I wasn't to find that out until, interestingly, about 15 years later. One morning, I woke up as usual and got up to do my exercise, which was a pretty regular routine at that time. And I started to do my exercise and I thought to myself, "Mm, that feels strange, my chest really hurts. I kept going. And my arm started to hurt and it started to radiate up my neck and into my jaw. Anyway, at the time, my husband came home and he looked at me and said, are you okay? And I said to him, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I said, my chest hurts a bit and, yeah, we're just not feeling too good. He asked me some more questions and he sort of said to me, "Um, do you think this is normal? And I said, oh, look, it's fine. I've got a really busy day. So, look, I'll just take some Panadol and I'll be fine. Well, with that, I took some Panadol, went off to work, saw five clients. That did not get any better by the time I'd seen the fifth client. And by that stage, I knew it was time to call an ambulance. And I shall never forget what the ambulance fellow said to me. He said to me, Kirsten, I don't want to alarm you, but this machine is telling me that you're having a heart attack. Later in the day at the hospital, I thought the second worst thing that I was told that day was that I had to have two weeks off of work. And I was horrified. I thought to myself at the time, I still remember it, how am I going to move 50 people? How am I going to do that? I can't have two weeks off of work. This is ridiculous. I was quite annoyed. And it was only a few weeks later that I reflected and thought, there is seriously something not going well if this is what I'm thinking. I knew that it was time for a change. So I did take those two weeks off and I came back to work and sat down in my chair at my practice, opened up my diary, because in those days it was a paper diary, and I took a really close look at that diary. I looked at all my clients and I decided I am just going to look at this diary and see which types of clients light me up and which ones don't, because I cannot continue this way Surely this is the hmm, wake-up call that I need. 
you know, some people say, oh yes, some people need a tap on the hand and other people need a Mack truck. Well, I was the Mack truck girl. I needed someone to come and run me over before I realised what on earth I was doing. So I started to look at my diary and thought, okay, these are the types of clients that I want to be seeing and I knew that I wanted to do more supervision. So from that day on, that's what I started to do. I also looked at my values and I also looked at my people-pleasing behaviour and why I so blindly for so many years kept seeing so many clients and did not stop and ask myself, do you actually want to do this? I just thought I should, so I just got up and did it. I knew that I wanted to have more downtime, spend more time with my family and really start enjoying my life. And I also didn't want to be just relying on me to be the one that was okay to work because clearly that wasn't going so well. It was at that time that I decided to expand the practice and get other clinicians on board because I didn't really want to let go of helping but I needed to find a way to use my skills to help more people on a wider level and a group practice seemed to be the best way to do that. I also knew it was time for me to take a step back from seeing clients and to step into my passion for mentoring other psychologists so I could also help them to help more people. At that time, there wasn't really a lot of business coaches around that taught how to expand from solo to group. So I thought, well, that's an area that I know a lot about. And I started to think to myself, okay, well, if I'm going to change direction, I probably need to get a little bit more with the program so I could get my message out there and help more people. The interesting thing about this is that I did both. I expanded the practice and grew my mentoring business as well. Would I necessarily recommend doing them both at the same time? Well, yes. Yes and no. It depends how you feel. But it can be done. I'm proof that it can be done. But there was a few hurdles that I had to get over before I could get to the stage where I could market my mentoring business. And one of those really big hurdles was social media. I was so, so fearful of getting onto social media. I honestly thought to myself, what is going to happen if people, my clients or anyone, finds out that I have children? I mean, I was worried about them finding out about anything to do with me. So I needed to work on this. So I went about finding as much as I could out about Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. I spent quite a bit of time on this as I knew that I needed to know the ins and outs, understand it more and also find a way to be able to advertise on social media that was within APRA's guidelines and feel confident and step into the space that I wanted to step into and not be scared anymore. I'm sorry to interrupt our conversation but I wanted to let you know that if you're worried about what to post on social media and don't know what to post as content I have a free content calendar and you can find it on my website on the privatepracticeacademy.com.au now let's return to the conversation another really interesting part that I reflected on about myself was there was a huge part of me that wanted to be on social media and get myself out there 
it just took me a little bit of time to get my head around it. And it was a really incongruent feeling to have to be so scared, but yet to be so interested in something. So I did. I started my mentoring business where I mentored other psychs, social workers and counsellors on how to start and grow their practice, but soon found that people began asking me, well, what now? I've got more clients than I know what to do with, and I'm feeling overwhelmed. I need help to expand my practice. So I've been doing this for a while now, and it really feels like I have found my groove. I realised that if I needed help, then I'm sure that others needed help too. It just seemed like a natural progression. From the mentoring that I've done over the past few years, though, the most common thing I've heard therapists say is, I have absolutely no idea how to run a business, particularly not a group practice. So I knew that the service that I was about to offer was needed. And let's face it, we did not learn how to run a business at university. But what's really interesting is that a lot of psychologists, therapists, do go into private practice. So it is something we need to do. We need to understand how to run a business. But unfortunately, it's just not what we were taught at university. One message that we did get taught at university was that making a profit from psychology wasn't really to be encouraged. But running a therapy business is no different to any other business where if we're going to support our staff and support our clients, well, we need to make a profit. We need to make money to help others. No one really ever tells a GP or other specialists that you shouldn't make money from the sick. Running a successful business means you provide a service, which, to be honest, I find rather interesting. What we also do as psychologists is we tend to people-please and not make waves. But there are ways to build and scale your practice without upsetting APRA and achieve your personal goals and still help others. By starting a group practice, we can help more people and also find the time to create other income streams, just in the same way that I have. But it does mean that we need to learn some business skills. I'm hopeful this podcast will, will help you do just that. So you can run a scalable, profitable business that will help our communities. I am hoping that I can support and motivate you to take actionable steps towards building and scaling your practice. We'll work on things like mindset, imposter syndrome, moving past that fear of being seen on social media, and your thinking around having a practice and being able to create another income stream. I'll also help you to begin the process of challenging the beliefs that we have around starting and embracing your ideas because they're great ideas. These are ideas that you can use to help others and also have a profitable private practice running in the background. So the format of my podcast will be that some of my episodes will be solo and other episodes will involve guests. I have got so much I cannot wait to share with you. I'm so excited about this. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Private Practice Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head across and subscribe and then leave me a review. 
Also, please feel free to come visit me and hang out with me on Instagram at Kirsten Anderson Bridge. Till next time.